0: Welcome to Drink Less, Live More. In this episode, we're going to dive into some strategies for the first 30 days. Many of you have probably made attempts to quit drinking or cut back drinking. Maybe you've done a 30-day break or a dry January or um, a sober October. You know, there's all sorts of fun little things out there that we can join in on. Some people will say, well, I'm just going to not drink during the week. I just want to drink on the weekends. Um, I have a Boost Free Work Week challenge that quite a few people joined back in October. And so that was their goal was to, to not drink Monday through Thursday. So this is certainly for you to evaluate and for you to decide what works for you. There are no hard and fast rules in this podcast. So take what works for you and go with it. What I want to encourage you to do is to be a compassionate observer of yourself. And I can't really think of anyone else more suited than you to do that. And so if you can just kind of step aside, sometimes I even encourage clients to almost float above themselves and just be an observer, a objective observer, observer of what's going on. So. Also considering where you feel some shame around alcohol use, most of us have some belief systems that people that overuse alcohol are, you know, A, B, and C, you know, all these things that we have been told as a culture. So once I want to invite you to think of terms around alcohol as just neutral. They're just neutral. We don't have to assign good or bad to any of these terms. And so I think that can be really helpful for us as we sort of can experience shame and we're able to speak truth to what's going on. So I do invite you to be honest with whether it's yourself or someone else that you trust that can really help dismantle the shame that honesty can. And then also just to be gentle with yourself. You've never done this before. No one's ever given you the tools to do this. I have a master's degree in nursing. And no one taught me the skills that you need in order to tackle a problem like this. So I want to share with you the four pillars to success within my program because I think that they're helpful. So these are four areas that you can focus on and you can strengthen. And there's tons of, you know, self-help and things out there that you can use if coaching isn't the right fit for you right now, or you're just not ready, which happens all the time. So. The first one that I want to talk about is emotional intelligence. So this has been a term that's been around, you know, since the 1990s. We've been using it more and more and more. I, I see and hear it in the corporate spaces a lot. And, you know, it's a, considered a soft skill, which I don't know. This is, there's nothing soft about this. This has been the hardest work of my life. <laughs> also the most rewarding, to be honest, to do this work over the last five years and really dive into my emotional experiences. But let me tell you why it's important and why it's important to really make change and to stop putting Band-Aid solutions on things. We can white knuckle through things for a certain amount of time. You're likely a fairly high achiever. You can, you know, tackle anything for 30 days and be successful. But um, I do want to talk a little bit about how, you know, our brains work and how our emotions influence the thoughts behind our actions. So we have an emotion, let's say, you know, exhaustion or, um, you know, sometimes it's overwhelm. That's one that I used to use a lot. I feel overwhelmed. I feel stressed. And we get home from work and we're stressed and overwhelmed. We have four bazillion things going on in our heads and the mental load is just so heavy. And then we have to think about what to do for dinner. And that's like a whole different level of hell to be in. And the only thing we can think to make this better and to ease the emotions that we're experienced with, overwhelm, exhaustion, stress, is to open the first bottle of wine. So that's what we do. And short term, that helps. It actually does make us feel better, you know? So it's like, cool, this worked. This is awesome. So what we have to get at is the thoughts behind all those emotions. You didn't just all of a sudden become overwhelmed out of nowhere, like this, this, you know, emotion didn't just pop out of nowhere. So one of the common thoughts that I had and that I hear from clients is, I can't handle all this, or I should be able to handle all this. My mom handled all of this. I see my friends handling all of this, and they don't drink wine. Although I would tell you that you'd probably be surprised if they're not wine drinkers, they're probably doing something else from a numbing or distraction perspective. So, you know, we're telling ourselves all these stories and so we have to dig into the thought so we can actually dismantle the emotion and then we can change the action, which is the wine drinking, which is what we want to consider um, avoiding or at least minimizing in the future. So learning to articulate our emotions and becoming emotionally intelligent is critical. The second one is self-awareness. And I honestly just, if somebody has one, please tell me, I cannot find another tool that does this any better than the Enneagram. And, um, you know, I'm certified in the Enneagram. I use it with coaching clients all the time. It was a huge awakening for me to discover that I was a type nine on the Enneagram and all that comes with that. And it makes perfect sense how I created the relationship with alcohol that I had So there's so much there. I think that the Enneagram is one of the tools. Of course, there's tons of tools out there. But really build your self-awareness. Help yourself understand when you react to something. Why is that? We're not just talking about behaviors. We want to understand why we're behaving the way we're behaving. How does that get perceived by other people? When you start to see themes, when lots of people in your life have the same reaction to something that you do, that's always a good hint to kind of dig in a little bit deeper to build some self and social awareness. So that is a key piece to success. And honestly, all of these are key pieces to success in life. So if you're looking just to be a better leader in your organization or get that next promotion or be a better parent um, or Be a better daughter to aging parents. Whatever season of life that you're in, just keep in mind that these are all valuable and you can build these skills anytime and you can build them to the highest level as possible for you or what you have capacity for. I've met 60-year-olds with very low emotional intelligence and self-awareness and I have met 25-year-olds with really high emotional intelligence and self-awareness. So keep that in mind. These are buildable skills. You can build them anytime. And then the other thing to keep in mind is that you don't get to just keep them. See, so you have to be intentional and you have to keep building on those skills and keep kind of exercise, exercising them similar to muscles. So the next one is self-compassion or self-love. When I talk to groups of women or I ask clients if they feel like they truly love themselves, if they can look me in the eye and say that they love themselves, And I've never had someone say, yep, I completely, unconditionally love myself. So this is huge. And this has been a huge part of my journey. 99% of the time, I would say I love myself. And I give myself as much compassion as I give the rest of the people around me. That 1% of the time when that little bitch in the head just creeps in, And I have to shush her away and say, wait a minute, you don't get to be here anymore because I've already managed all these thoughts. And I have come up with replacement thoughts that are actually more true than this thought that I suck, I'm the worst, I'm never going to overcome this, who do you think you are? You know All those terrible thoughts that we tell ourselves that we'd never say to a friend. So I have to put her back in the back seat, occasionally, for sure. Um, but loving myself 99% of the time is such a huge win for me. And when you can get there, that's when you can really be successful. So offer yourself the same love and compassion that you offer the people around you. And then the last one is what I call soul care. So you're going to hear me talk and use terms around the essential self which is really the person you've been born to be before the world got a hold of you. Um, You might hear me say your inner knowing. Uh, You might hear me say your soul child. That's another term that I will often use, and that's a, a term used in the Enneagram often. But basically, it's just that little tiny version of you that you've just shushed for too long. You've told her, be quiet. You don't know what you're talking about. People gave you a funny look when I said that. So shh, you don't have any place here. And what we need to do is take the muzzle off of her and awaken her. Ask her what she wants. Ask her what she needs. And then listen. I don't care if it fits into our societal norms or our culture. We have to start listening to her. So that is what soul care is. And listen to whatever she's telling you, whatever feels like ease to you, whatever feels like, I've heard Martha Beck say this before, just kind of floating with ease down the river. You're not fighting against the current. You're just flowing with life. You're flowing into all the areas that you know you should be in. She often will say to what feels warm to you? What feels comforting to you? not alcohol, because that can certainly be comforting for us. So think about that. Let's awaken that inner knowing, that essential self, that woman we have just been shushing for too long. And let's start listening to her. And this may change in different seasons of life. So soul care is not like the traditional self-care we've been sold where it's like, oh, you know, you just take a bubble bath and drink some Chardonnay. When I was swimming around in Chardonnay, that was the opposite of self-care. I can tell you that for certain. So this may change over time when you may think, okay, right now I need some more spiritual care. Maybe soul care for you is as simple as calling your friend or your sister. That one is mine. So create your own soul care list. This is for you to explore and think outside of the box because the ways that you have been thinking about self-care are probably not working for you. One of my favorite definitions of self-care or soul care is creating a life that you don't have to escape from. That's one of the main reasons why we drink. We're trying to escape something, whether it's an emotional experience, it's just the life that we've created, circumstance, all those things. It's one of the reasons why we run to alcohol. For some of us, it's food. For some of us, it's exercise. You know, there's so many different ways for us to do this. We've just chosen alcohol as one of the primary numbing behaviors. That's a fun one. So some of my 30-day suggestions or first 30-day suggestions are Simple things, really. They don't cost any money. Um, For the most part, they're they're pretty much free or really cheap. Um, The first thing that I suggest is just kind of carving out some time alone to process the day. And I hear all the time, "Well, I can't do that. I have kids." You know, I have kids too. You know, so we have to set some boundaries around our time. And sometimes we just need thirty minutes to process our day. And we have to set those expectations with our families so they know. We can't just come in and expect that they're just going to give us that time. They don't know that that's what we want. So we have to set those expectations. Maybe calling a friend or um, someone that you just haven't talked to for a while that that really feels like that soul care that I was talking about. That's a big one. Organizing things. So I am hyper organized. Um, I shouldn't say hyper anymore. I I consider myself a Recovering perfectionist, but I really like things to be organized and in their place. It creates a certain level of peace and comfort for me. So I'll organize a closet or organize a drawer. Um, Meditating is a great thing. I actually we bought my son a Oculus Two, which is you know like the virtual reality goggles, and I discovered that there's an app called Trip, and it's meditation, and so it's like a visual meditation, but also auditory. It's amazing. I rarely ever get distracted. I'm fully focused because my eyes and my ears have something to do. I don't know about all of you, but my brain is going four million miles a minute and there's a lot of thoughts going on there. So meditation can be really hard when you first start because it's like, oh, wow, I have a lot of thoughts in there that I didn't realize. And we need to create some space between our thoughts, so we can actually be able to evaluate the emotions we're experiencing and then change the action. So that is one. Uh, the Calm map is another great place. I know other clients that might have used Headspace and, you know, there's all sorts of ways to start with beginning meditation. Five minutes a day, try it. Just see how it works. Um, I love hot tea. So that feels like a treat at the end of the day. I love mocktails. That was a great thing for me the first 30 days. And I still have a mocktail or maybe a non-alcoholic beer almost every night. And it just felt like, oh, wow, I still get to have my ritual. I still get to drink out of a pretty glass, but I don't have to have the ill effects of the alcohol. So it was pretty cool. Um, Sometimes I would grab a, you know, listening to a favorite podcast, um, especially when it comes down to cutting back or changing our relationship with alcohol. I would listen to some, you know, Quitlet, Audible books. I love Audible. It's one of my favorite things because I can do other things while I'm listening. And so, uh, you know, if you're a reader, certainly you could uh, take some time to read some books too. And so I like to listen on audio book, but that's not for everyone. So what I want to point out here is I don't I don't recommend these for long term strategies. They could be part of soul care for you, absolutely. Uh, they can be part of you know all four of those pillars of success. So it's not that they're not valuable, but they are tools to distract ourselves. And what I highly encourage you to do so this thing really sticks is to not just use distraction. We need to dig in deeper. We need to change the urges for alcohol. My first 30 days, I still wanted wine. So I still experienced myself thinking, oh, well, I could just have one glass tonight. Like, you know, what's the big deal? It's just a glass of wine. I think I can totally regulate it from here on out. You know, there's all these kind of things that we tell ourselves that usually don't work out so well in our favor for for meeting this, you know, 30-day or whatever the commitment is. So I think it's great for the first 30 days to kind of clear the, the alcohol out of your system. Your brain will start to change. Uh, you'll start to feel a lot more. That's something in the first 30 days that a lot of people don't talk about is you can go from being pretty numb to your emotions to feeling them all. And that can be intense. I mean, it can really suck when you're used to numbing emotions. So keep that in mind. You know, a lot of people will be like, oh, a 30-day break was so great. And they don't share the darker side of some of that. And you don't always feel good the first week or so. It can be really hard. You know, it's like your body is getting used to you not putting alcohol in it. So it's like, hey, wait a minute. Hold on. So um, when you when you really look at the, you know, chemical reaction that we have with alcohol, it gives us a dopamine kick. It's like happy hormone. Yay, you're excited. This is awesome. Now, we have a, a drop in that. That's why we wake up in the morning feeling sad and depressed and all the things. But, you know, in the moment, it's like, yay, We we really like this. It feels like a warm, cozy blanket. And above all, don't forget that if you don't make it through 30 days, or you have a glass of wine, or you drink a whole bottle of wine, just to pause for a minute and say, oh, wow, this is information. It's just information. Now I know that when I come home from work exhausted and overwhelmed, I can't open the wine because it'll be gone. Now, you know, it's just data points. So be that compassionate observer. Beating yourself up hasn't worked so far. So I would, I would invite you to try something different. It doesn't work really for anything long-term. So let's think long-term. We want to fix this thing for good. Have a good week.